Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Odell is someone that uh, uh, we have all the appreciation in the world for what he is as a competitor. Uh, the cowboy star on that uh, helmet, when he puts it on, uh, uh, could look pretty good. Oh, Jerry Jones rolling out of bed on a Tuesday morning. We're still in He's bed, still baby. In I bed love there. He's his in bed. voice is so gravelly right. and so raspy Definitely. from whatever he did on Monday night. I love that Tuesday spot. He's very different on Friday when he's on later in the I, day. I picture it like, you know, you ever seen that movie with um you know, the Untouchables. Weekend at Bernie's? Well, yeah, you're funny. You ever seen the Untouchables, you know, with Robert De Niro when he's Al Capone, right? Yes. The start yes. of the movie and, like, the start of the movie, they're bringing breakfast to, like, Mr. De Niro in the bed. He's already got a cigar and they put the tray over him as he just sits up in bed to eat his breakfast. That's how I picture Jerry Jones doing that interview right there. Like, the, the help just came in. They opened the door in the shades and they were like, they give him the phone and they put the breakfast and he's got his paper in front of him. He's literally in bed doing the interview on the the phone that way he sounds like it at least what prompted you to say mr de niro I don't know. I didn't know. I don't know. Robert De Niro. Right, I didn't. Just, don't, why do you, what I do you just, think? Yeah. I'm all this makes logic up here all the I time. Hear, Come on. I just Mr. I've never heard Mr. De Niro. <laughs> I'm respecting my elderlies. Didn't we already point, have this conversation? Yeah. Come on. I He's got to be I have 80. Confirmed. <laughs> I have I have confirmed that 60 is the magic number. So while I was dreading what's coming on June 8, 2025, I am now looking forward to it because I develop. I develop a force field. Yes. I develop extra protection at that right. point, and uh, you won't be able to lay those giant meat hooks on me when I'm in the studio. No. So I, li- I like that. All right. I also like this. The Cowboys are indeed in play. And this mm-hmm. bubbled up over the weekend, and I was told this is real. This is real. Look, they tried to get Brandon Cooks, and they didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. OBJ becomes your other alternative. The window's closed on trading for Brandon Cooks. You're trying to upgrade your receiving core. You couldn't get the guy you were trying to get. Who else is out there? OBJ. Well, when he's healthy, oh, he is now. Or at least at some point this week, Jay Glazer of Fox said on 
Sunday, he'd be cleared this week. Okay. I and and how do you not put the Cowboys at or near the top of your list? And I saw somebody, I think it was Clarence Hill of the Fort Worth Star Telegram, say last night, it's his understanding Beckham wants to play in a warm weather city. Well, cross off the Bills, cross off the Chiefs, cross off the other teams that would be the strongest contenders, Chris, and pencil in the Cowboys for OBJ if we're going to start putting warm weather city restrictions on this one. Yeah, I know. I, I, I got to hear that from the you know the horse's mouth there and Odell Beckham Jr. to believe that one. I, I, I do. Now, listen, Dallas makes a lot of sense for all the right reasons that we've discussed here the last two weeks with this Odell conversation. I mean, they're a team that's they're in the Super Bowl window. They're one of those teams that we look at, and it's it's kind of a short list where you go, no, I think this team can win the Super Bowl. And defense, we know, is special. Offense starting to look like, okay, maybe not special, but real good. The way Dak Prescott played that last game against Chicago. But I think they got to look at it, too. Again, if you want to win the Super Bowl and beat a team like the Chiefs or the Bills or, you know, the Eagles or the 49ers to get there, you're not going to be able to just depend on your defense and win some game 17, 14, or 20 to 17 against those teams, at least not in my opinion. They got too many weapons, too many good players, too, too well coached on that offensive side of the ball to where, you know, you're going to need your offense to strike up, you know, and light up the scoreboard a little bit there. And, and that's where I think Odell could have great value for them, you know, when it comes, when it does come playoff time. Uh, I could see it happening. He's from Louisiana. Dallas dominates the that area of the country. Even Louisiana people who like New Orleans, damn Dallas, the Cowboys are still a big deal in that region of the, the country. I, I can see it. It makes it makes a lot of sense. And my son and I were talking about this the other night, the dynamic of the Eagles getting in, but yeah. also potentially crossing paths with the Cowboys or the Giants right. in the postseason. We've seen that before. Yep. We saw the Giants beat the Cowboys in 2007 after Tony Romo went to Cabo. Remember, that was the whole Terrell Owens, yeah. that's my quarterback routine. Right. You you have to be. You have to be on special guard when a team in your division rolls into your stadium in the postseason. They're not intimidated by you, no matter how good your record was. Nope. They would love nothing more than to be the one to end your run. They know your personnel. They've done, in many cases, Roster construction based upon who you are and what you are. The game planning is easier because they do it twice per year every year. Now, if there's change, then then that adds to the challenge, like in Minnesota this year. But, hey, the prospect – Peter King and I were talking about this on Friday. The prospect of the Packers getting the seventh seed if the Vikings end up with the two seed. Holy crap. I don't think the Vikings want the Packers coming into U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, I hear you in the wild card round of the playoffs. And for that same reason, I think the Eagles would prefer to play anybody in the postseason other than, other than the Cowboys and Giants. I mean, they'll say we'll play anybody. Yeah. Deep down, I think they'd prefer not to see the Cowboys, especially if the Cowboys are going to be showing up with OBJ. Well, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's again, in division, the knowledge of the teams, it's just that's where it scares you. Man, they have such great knowledge of us. We might not be able to trick them. You know, we might not be able to – you know, dominate them in certain areas that we dominate other teams because they realize we're real strong there because they've had such an up-close look at us and really know us that well. You know, they know some of the tricks that the coaching staff has, That you know, some of the answers that maybe some of the other coaching staffs don't know because they don't play them twice a year. That's what's scary. There's no doubt, let alone, you know, if you do win twice in the regular season, you just go, damn, can we really win a third time? It, it's It's hard to do that. 
Now, we've seen teams do it for sure, but, yeah, we've seen teams do the opposite too and get upset in those type of situations where they can't beat them the third time. Third time. So I'm with you. I, I am, and that's it's uh, Dallas is scary. Dallas, the way they played Philadelphia on that Sunday night football game, that would scare me if I'm Philadelphia. Wow, Wait, they turned the ball over three series in a row, and we still kind of barely squeak out a win without Deck Prescott on the field. You know, the Dallas is is in that conversation, and that's why I, I could see OBJ and and them being interested in OBJ being a perfect marriage there. Oh, for a while, I thought I was going to get that. Lone Wolf Vindication, the only one on Football Night in America that took the Cowboys to win that night. And I felt horrible at first when it was like 17 nothing. But then that second half, it was looking like the Cowboys uh-huh. were going to turn it around. They play on Christmas Eve, AT&T Stadium, for the second of their two regular season matchups. And then maybe they cross paths again in the postseason. When they play at AT&T Stadium, unlike at Lincoln Financial Field where there's grass, they'll be playing on turf. Jerry Jones chimed in on this ongoing debate and it's really not a debate players coaches the union saying that these games need to be played on grass here's jerry jones from yesterday mornings just rolled out of bed and smoking a cigar and drinking some more johnny walker blue i'm Mm -hmm. kidding appearance on 105.3 the fan about whether or not there's a problem with playing on artificial turf here he is our league stats don't see issues with uh, the type surface that uh, we have uh, as opposed to natural gas. We don't see issues. No facts bear that out. And now, now, look, I mean, first of all, anecdotally, it's just not true. We've seen the difference between non-contact problems on turf and on grass. And we know anybody that's walked on an artificial turf field and walked on a grass field or run on it knows there's more give. It's softer you're less likely to get injured on grass. There wouldn't be so many voices of people who are down there in that pit saying, why can't we play on grass if they didn't think grass was better? The stats he's referring to, it deals with the incident rate on turf versus grass. And apparently last year, last year, the non-contact injuries on grass and artificial turf were equivalent. Well, before that, it was skewed toward turf. So just because there's one year, like the, st- the field didn't magically become better. One year to me is a statistical anomaly. Let's see what happens this year. Let's see what happens next year. They get lucky and they have one year where the numbers match up. And so they say there's no problem. I mean, that, that's BS to me, Chris. Well, yeah, it is. It's cherry picking is what it is. And it's 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 cherry picking, and they know it's not right. And, okay, that's non-contact injuries, too. How about, what about, like, head injuries? Because I see the guys get in the, you know, what do you, what do you call that? The fencing pose? A lot more on field yes. turf. I mean, Tua hit his head just as hard on grass four days earlier. He's on field turf, and look what happened. I feel like we've seen a number of the scary fencing poses. More of them are, uh, more of them seem to happen on field turf because of the reshock. Okay, no football player wants to play on that field turf compared to the grass. Nobody. Why don't you ask Jerry Jones? Hey, Jerry, why is it that every time I watch your practices, then why isn't your team on the field turf uh, surface you got at the facility? Why are they always on the grass? Why is that? Because the players have said we don't want to be on the field turf every day. We feel it in our body. It doesn't make us feel good. 
So stop with the bullshit, NFL owners, okay? And I don't understand it. I don't. I know they can have concerts, and that's all it's about is that money. But damn, I, I, I guess they make a lot more money than that than the non-contact guy that tore his knee up and you got to pay him $10, $10 million for not playing for you that year. I guess they're making that well, kind the, of money. Well, the idea, the, the idea is it's, it's too difficult to have a grass field. If you're going to have all these other events, what do you do? And it's kind of hard to retrofit an already built stadium to put in the system like they have in Arizona and Las Vegas. Well, he, you know, that's it. Do you see, these out. are probably could have done, yeah. done it. Could have done it. You're now, a billionaire. Now, Start now. doing this crap and stop dangering guys who only have a short time to play. On a, on a surface that's not good for them. I mean, period. You hit the nail on the head, though. You hit the nail on the head. Because the thing about statistics, you can make statistics say whatever you want right. if, you, if you twist the variables just enough. So, hey, oh, look at this. Non-contact is the same. But you're right. Hitting your head against the turf, it's different if it's grass than if it's artificial turf. Or, Chris, just having your leg caught exactly. when you do and have somebody's contact. hitting you. Exactly. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Your leg could be extra caught. Yeah, and maybe last year was a year where, you know, it just, it, yeah, the numbers didn't bear out. But you're right. Your leg, non-contact, you know, or contact, let's say contact on grass, you're, make, you're about to make that cut going this way, right? And you plant that leg. Okay, you know, again, I would feel much better about doing that as I'm getting hit on a grass field as compared to a field turf field. You know, yeah, because we see on grass, it, you know, the, the the cleat goes, it goes, it, it tears stay up, planted, right? It grabs. It's more likely to grab on field turf. We've seen that. That's the thing. These kind of stats that don't mesh with the well, anecdotal evidence, the things we see with our eyes, the things we hear with our ears from the people who are in the sport who have a vested interest in their health versus the people who run the sport and have a vested interest well, in their bank accounts. Well, Garrett, that's, where the, that's where the two sides don't come together. Well, agreed. I, I, cha- I want to challenge. Like, I, again, I want to cha- throw the challenge flag here and like, oh, show me where, where like, I, I don't remember injuries on grass nearly to the, compa- to, to the same standard of Odell in the Super Bowl on field turf. Oh, J.C. Jackson on that same field, field turf this year. Oh, oh, Odell Beckham Jr. in Cincinnati, right? Same thing, non-contact. Sterling Shepard, right? Jogging down the field. Where was that on? Okay, I don't, I don't see those happening on grass. That's where it's, 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 bull, it's bull crap. I don't buy it at all. Let alone, all you got to do is talk to players. All you got to do. None of them are going to tell you, oh, yeah, it's the same. Field turf's cool. None. And let alone, Mike, like you always hear me say, there's a reason the Ronaldos and the Messi, Messi's of the soccer world, they don't ever play on that stuff. They come over here to America, they play all these games in the summer and, and get great crowds, and then they play on a field turf field and they don't play because it's in their contract. You know, it's, it's not in their contract because, oh, it's the same as grass. It's in their contract because it's, there's, it, it does not feel the same for an athlete. And it makes you not feel as good while you're playing, and it makes you not feel as good the next day either. And that's where I won't buy that, and I'm, I'm never going to back down from this. That's a bullcrap, non-player safety comment right there by Jerry Jones. The only player who, in my recollection, in recent months, that has come close to saying I have no problem with it was Jalen Ramsey. And when you look at his full comments, two things stood out. One, he seems resigned to the fact that the business realities aren't going to change it, so there's no point complaining about it. And number two, there was that that – Macho will play on broken glass if we have yeah, to. It was you. coming out as well. Like right. you don't want to be perceived as complaining about it. You know, we'll play anytime, any place, anywhere, on any surface, in any setting. It doesn't matter. 
that's how we feel about football. And, and, and that's fine. But everybody else says grass, grass, grass. And when coaches come out and say grass, yeah, they want their players to be available. They want their best players to be available. They see guys getting injured on turf more than they're getting injured on grass. That's a problem. Look at what it did to the 49ers season in 2020, that game at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, it, there you it, go. It derailed it. All those injuries, and it was week week two, I think. It was horrible. I I know. That's where again, I don't you know I I, I don't doubt that injuries are happening on grass and all that, but I, it, my mind and I'm you know what I what I watch on football, it certainly seems like you know field turf is a whole lot more dangerous, and I I do want to challenge those stats. I mean, it's like it's one of those where I want to go up. Uh, gosh, who's going to actually go back and look at all that anyways? And who knows what they value is in some of that stuff, too, either way. But either way, we know the players don't like it. Didn't we have some tweets, too, from players that kind of showed their dis- disregard for it, I thought? Um, sorry, I messed yeah, up. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. No, but, but it's, all, it's, it's, it's all uniform and universal. They want grass, period. That's what players yeah, want, right. and and they get it some places. They don't get it others. And look, it should be a factor for Odell Beckham Jr., as well, yeah, I, it it should be it should He's be at least one of them. I don't know the two knee injuries factor, on field but, turf. It, but it should be one of the factors. Yeah, it definitely should be. I mean, it, 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 I, I I would think about it. I would if I was him, especially when it's it's twice that you've been hurt the same type of way. I planted my foot into field turf with nobody around me, and my leg got stuck, and my foot got stuck, and then therefore my knee buckled, and I lost significant amounts of money and snaps in my career that I'll never get back. So uh, I, I would think that's, you know, on his radar a little bit. Let's go ahead and take a break. Since we are exactly at the half point of the season, at least from the standpoint of the number of weeks, I don't know if we are there from the number of games. We're going to hand out some midseason awards when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we are halfway through the season, and here are the current odds for MVP. It had been Josh Allen, wire to wire. Well, we're halfway through the wire, and now Mahomes has taken over. Mm-hmm. I think the, the Josh Allen injury and the loss on Sunday, I'm sure, had something to Definitely. do with that. We don't know right. whether or not Allen's going to miss any time, and we saw Patrick Mahomes play great in primetime on Sunday night. But look at Jalen Hurts at second there, Chris. Yeah, surprising. I, well, but not they're undefeated. I know exactly right. I, I think that's that's you know, Mike. You, nobody clarifies that better than you do. The quarterback of the team that could be the one seed or maybe the really good two seed. It doesn't really. They're in the conversation almost always as long as they're not like the weak point of the football team. And he's certainly not the weak point of the football team. He's he's played phenomenal this year. So I understand that. Do I put him in the same class as some of the other guys there? No. I don't. I don't think the same amount of pressure is on him as, you know, Mahomes, Allen, and Lamar Jackson, where it's all about them. Uh, And so that's where I always push back against that. But uh, nonetheless, he deserves to be in this conversation for sure. 
Okay, so we're going to hand out awards based on what we've seen so far, not who we think the favorites are to win it, but based on the first nine weeks of the season. We're going to do several of them, all the major ones, if we can get to them, and I think we can. Cool. MVP, who is your nine-week NFL MVP? I'm still going to go with Josh Allen as we sit here right now. I am. It's really close between him and Patrick Mahomes. I am. I feel like Josh Allen has, you know, maybe been a little bit more extraordinary at times than Patrick Mahomes, but man, it's it's nitpicking. It really is. I think the only thing I look at right now is like Josh Allen's rushing and his ability to call design quarterback runs is something maybe that puts him over the edge. But he's like uh, he's he's the almost he's one of the greatest one man shows I've ever seen. I mean, again, even last week, we could praise the Jets and go, oh, you know, the Jets, they did all these good things. And I sit there and watch back that film yesterday, and I don't know if they ever really stopped Buffalo, other than Buffalo just did a few dumb things in the game. You know, he's, he's almost unstoppable. So I'll go with Josh Allen, but Patrick Mahomes, like, nipping at his heels. I was leaning Mahomes, yeah. and I thought of something as you were saying that. Yeah. A very simple test, very simple test. Flip Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Put Josh Allen on the Chiefs and put Patrick Mahomes on the Bills. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the teams? How do you feel about the the quarterbacks? And and I, I look, well, you put Josh Allen with with Andy Reid. Whoa, and kind of gets to what we were talking about yesterday. Yeah, with the Bills relying too much on Josh Allen. The offense is officially diverse. The running game is non-existent. Of course, it's not exactly thriving in Kansas City, but but. If you flip those two guys, I would I would feel like the Chiefs are the clear favorite to go to the Super Bowl and win it. No, and you know how I feel about Patrick Mahomes. I, it's 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 a thin it's a thin margin. Yeah, but you question whether think, Mahomes can make Buffalo work the way Allen makes it. That's what you're questioning, right? Right, because of the support in Kansas City versus right. the support in Buffalo, but they are both awesome. There's no question; they are the best two. They are the two clear candidates in my mind. With yeah. Jalen Hurts kind of on the fringes because the Eagles right. are unbeaten. Right. I'll I'll go Josh Allen after thinking about this alternate reality where Allen is with the Bills or Chiefs, excuse me, and Mahomes is with the Bills. I, I that's the 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 photo finish yeah josh allen i hear it that that i'm with you i think you did a good job of explaining that all right defensive player of the year the betting odds here it's not even close and i don't know how much time we even need to spend on it is there anyone other than micah parsons well i mean we matt judon of course has jumped on the scene and i mean every week getting sacked i think the guy at the bottom of the list deserves a little bit of like acknowledgement here von miller i mean he has closed out some games and made some incredibly big plays for the Buffalo Bills. But, no, you're right, Mike. I mean, Max Crosby is is probably worthy of being in this conversation, too, but they're not good enough. Michael Parsons is the defensive player. I I think it's kind of a... It's it's close to official. I think it's there. I think he's the best defensive player in football now. I don't mean to say that and disrespect Aaron Donald, but just the guys everywhere in every facet of the game. And then... You know, he's one of the NFL sack leaders, and I guarantee he doesn't have the same amount of opportunities to rush the quarterback that the rest of the NFL sack leaders have because he's playing stand-up linebacker and he's in coverage and doing things of that nature. So, effect of the game, I still think Michael Parsons should have been the defensive MVP last year. I know T.J. Watt had all those sacks and everything, but we talked about Michael Parsons on Sunday Night Football 
all 18 weeks last year. And look what he did. Look what he did. Look what he did. Right? And that's where, yeah, he's the man right now. So we're there together in that one. Yeah. Um, and, and Judon leads the NFL right now with 11 and a half sacks. You know, yeah. Darius Smith has been a sack machine right. for the Vikings this year. And, and you see that the players from the really good teams end up getting extra consideration when it's time to make the votes. But I think it's going to be difficult because Parsons already has that reputation. And the stats just enhance the presence. And if he is among the top five in sacks, that just that makes it even well, easier it's insane. this is the guy. He can do anything. He does everything. Yeah. And he's one of the reasons why the Cowboys are so good this he's year. He's not All getting right. to rush the passer like Michael Miles Garrett is every play. He, he doesn't get those opportunities. That's what's amazing is you go, the percentage of sacks he gets per rush attempt, I think is the thing that would blow people out of the water if they really saw it. I want to go to coach of the year now, and I'm sorry to go out of order, okay. but I feel like that one's a more compelling conversation than some of these others. Some of these others are pretty close, and I don't think we're going to argue all that much. All right, go I'm going ahead. to go coach, then comeback player of the year. Coach of the year, Nick Sirianni is the betting favorite. And look, they're undefeated. But to me, coach of the year is always who best exceeds I know. the expectations right. entering the season. Right. And it comes down... To Pete Carroll, Kevin O'Connell, and Brian Dayball. <laughs> and, and, and. Well, I Salah. Could go, I could go two. Th- I could go O'Connell, Carroll, Dayball, and Salah. Right now, I, I'm I'm feeling it with O'Connell because of the dramatic transformation of the organization yeah. that he has presided over, and how they're winning close games, whereas in the past they lose close games. How the players are being propped up with optimism and hope instead of being beaten down with fear and pessimism and negativity. And it's it's created, and this happens all the time, team fires a coach and they try to find a guy who's the exact opposite personality-wise, and then when they fire him, they go the other way. It, they ping-pong back and forth. But this has been a dramatic shift, and this team is 7-1, and one, and nobody would have expected the Vikings to be 7-1. and one. So there are plenty of great candidates, plenty of worthy candidates, but I give it to O'Connell over Sirianni. I, I, I hear you there. You know, Again, I, I don't want to discredit what Sirianni has done either. It's, this is special, and what he did last year was damn good. But uh, you know, He's got I, a damn good team. Well, that's He's what I was going to say. I, mean, I don't think anybody, anybody that was following the league thought the Eagles could be doing this, right? I mean, we all thought there's a good chance. When the schedules came out, when we got before the regular season and we looked at the schedules even one more time, we, we were then saying, man, the Eagles could be 9-1 and one going into week 10 or going into week 11. So that's where it's not shocking. I kind of tend to go towards your line of thinking. The guys who have totally exceeded expectations and come out of nowhere. O'Connell's certainly a good one. I, damn. And Salah's a good one, too, though. Remember, we were looking at the front end of that schedule and saying, then, who did they piss off I, at 345 well, Park Avenue? I don't remember having this many options ever. Uh, I don't. I, where it's this close, and you can make arguments for all of them. I can go, it's a good argument. I get it. I like it. You know, Mike McDaniel, of course, with the Miami Dolphins. Now, their team was good. I guess more we questioned about can his personality and stuff work. And he's improved them, their offense especially. But damn, Carroll, Dable, and Sala, those are ones that I just look at. I want to go with Pete Carroll, and that's who I'm going to go with here. I'm going to go with Pete Carroll. Dayball certainly is right there with it too because nobody expected that. But Pete Carroll, come on. I mean, we were talking about just trade DK Metcalf, blow it up, get it, get it, get it over with, just start the rebuild. You got no chance. 
And now they're one of the most exciting teams to watch. They're in the thick of things, and they're real. And I know that's why he's Pete Carroll. I, I feel like I'd go with Pete Carroll right now if you gave me a vote. Well, and you know, with Dayball, too. I know. I mean, same thing. Carroll's got a bunch of great new rookies that were drafted by John Schneider, but they've been developed by Pete Carroll. Right. But Dayball walked into a spot where there wasn't much they could do to overhaul that roster in one year, and he's gotten more out of it than we ever dreamed that he uh, could. Ever. He really is amazing. It's the, great, the toughest maybe, one ever. Maybe the answer will become obvious when week 18 has come and gone, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. And uh, at some point, I don't, I don't expect the Eagles to go 17. No, if they do, then just give it to Nick Sirianni. If they go 17 and 0, I'll concede he's the coach of the year. Sure, I will. Nine and 0 is not enough to just say, well, you get it because you haven't lost a game yet. Um, but but if if they have losses, it's going to be very difficult to draw the lines between Eagles with Sirianni, Vikings with O'Connell, Seahawks with Carroll, Giants with Dayball, Jets with Sala, and whoever else may rise up. Maybe Jeff Saturday will be the coach of the year <laughs> by the time is all said and done. I think I'm kidding. Who knows? Comeback player of the year. That's the next one I want to do. Because the, the comeback player of the year award fascinates me. There's no definition for it. What are you coming back from? Matthew Stafford was comeback player in 2011. What was he coming back from? He just had arrived on the scene. Ryan Tannehill, 2019. Shereen Williams' observation was, what's he coming back from? A career of sucking? <laughs> so, and, and she's a very big Texas A&M supporter, and he went to A&M, but she, you know, she tells it like it is. So, you know, are you coming back from injury? Are you coming back from adversity? Are you coming back from something in season? Are you coming back from something last season? Are you finally achieving the potential you had coming into the NFL? I don't, I don't know how you define it, Chris, but I'm leaning Geno Smith, as are the sports books right now. When you look at the favorite, he's, he's coming back from years in the wilderness of a guy that wasn't regarded as a potential starter, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. I, I mean, I, I, don't think you can even, I don't think you can even argue this one. I mean, Saquon's a great story, but, I mean, Geno Smith is third in football in quarterback rating. All right, I don't love quarterback rating, but it's still 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. They're not playing through their defense. He's winning games. He I mean he's like a baller. And yes, he hasn't played in forever. I, I'm I'm with Gino here all the way. As much as some of the guys on the list, I, I got respect for what they did. Gino wins it. And if we're getting hyper technical about the word comeback, comeback implies that there was something that you did that fell off. And you came back. He never. He well, the he league never made did him fall any, off. No, the league made I him know, fall my, off. Right. I know, but the comeback implies you were here. Yeah, right. That's why I had a problem with Matthew Stafford. I got you. Right. Third year and two disappointing seasons, and he finally has a breakout. That would be like making two of the comeback player of the year. What did he come back from? Yeah. He's finally had a good year. So that's why I have a problem with this you. very loose. Vague idea, and and I'm still saying Geno Smith because to me it's this circuitous route of being a backup and being overlooked and being downtrodden. He's coming. He's coming back to the potential that we believed he had coming into the NFL. That's that's the only way you can argue that it's a comeback player of the there year. You but go. you got Saquon Barkley, you got Christian McCaffrey, who missed a lot yeah. of time last year due to injury and Barkley's had struggles with his knee yeah. and getting back to the guy that he was in 2018. He fits the definition more he, cleanly. He would be second for me. Right, right. And by the book, he is that he fits that term to what you're saying. Sure. All right. Offensive rookie of the year. 
going to Seattle again. I mean, how can it how can it not be Ken Walker the third? Brees Hall and Ken Walker the third would have been the two top candidates. But once you get injured, it's the other guy. The other guy comes in and fills the void. No doubt. So it's right. It's Ken Walker the third right now. That's a no brainer. I mean, me. he's one of the running backs that's leading the league in yards per carry. And then I mean, he's. Seven touchdowns already at this point of the year. Didn't the, you, you look at their success of their team? Kind of when he became the guy, things started to kind of skyrocket from there. I mean, again, Mike, I, I think this guy's already in the conversation of best running back in football. I, you know, there's just there's not many people on earth that can do what he can do. This is like we're watching, you know. Uh, we're watching special, special, special running back here. A guy that can run you over like we're showing here, run through arm tackles, make you miss, break your ankles, and then outrun a bunch of guys who run 4-3 in secondaries and they can't catch them. Uh, that's that's really rare. It, this is this is a guy that has a chance, at least for the way it looks right now, to be an all-time great. So that, that's no-brainer here for this one. All right, let's shift over then. And, and other guys who are on the list – we saw Chris Olave. Damian Pierce has been phenomenal. Definitely. 139 yards 100%. rushing on Thursday night. He's the brightest spot on that Houston roster. And yes. Hopefully they put other players around him he's while he still has tread on the tires. Uh, but uh, I think I think it will be Ken Walker the third, barring uh, an injury that really derails the second half of his career. And as we know with the running back position, that can happen. Defensive rookie of the year. In my mind, there's two. And I know which way I'm leaning. Where are you leaning? I- I'm leaning to the guy in front. I am. Uh, Sauce Gardner, I, I you know it, it's phenomenal. So that's where it, it's you know this is to me where you know, again Tariq Woolen special he is he's he's got a chance to be one of these guys that's a top DB in football. You know, Devin Lloyd for the Jacksonville Jaguars he is everywhere he's amazing. But Sauce Gardner, you know it's a lot like a little bit like Patrick Sertain last year. He's jumped on the scene and it's. Okay, yeah, defensive rookie of the year and already one of the best corners in football. Like, no doubt. Like, a corner that is in the top five of football as a rookie. So, yeah, it's it's Sauce Gardner for me. There, there's one other guy that I want to mention. Yeah, who is it? Who has a ch- he's, he's, not, he's not it now, yeah. but he's got a chance in the second half. Right. Kirby Joseph, mm. the Lions safety, who had right. two interceptions. On Sunday, we, we we do our weekly awards at PFT. He's our rookie of the week, and he had a great he had a great comment on social media. Uh, to be honest, I just been farting. Y'all ain't seen poop emoji yet. Oh, so uh, great, thank you. So he's 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 yes, that but that that's, that's what he said. That's what he said. So it's not me, it's him. And and the the whole point is they have seen the potential. He just hasn't had the breakout. He had the breakout on Sunday against the Packers if he continues that and if the Lions can win some more games. I, I think we're understating the value of being on a decent team. You know, those odds Agreed. for offensive rookie of the year that have yeah. Damian Pierce and Ken Walker the third so close. I don't know who I don't know why you're betting on Damian Pierce right now because the the Texans are bad and if you're on a good team you have a better chance of getting that award, typically. So uh I, I'll go Sauce Gardner though, but keep an eye on Kirby Joseph. Because like he it. could he could he could do the coming up on the outside and uh, as we get down the down home stretch, the home stretch through down the turn the, or whatever yeah. the <laughs> horse racing terms are. All right, uh, let's take a break. When we return, Wednesday means power rankings time. We'll take a look at at oh oh no, it's not even that boy. Jeez. I, I'm all out of it. Jeez. Like, it's not power power rankings still to come. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in. 
after further review is next. A Wednesday tradition here on PFC Live, one on which I'd com- of which I'd completely forgotten. We'll do that when PFC Live continues right after this. And that last play is going to be one of the things we discuss as we get into after further review. This is an opportunity for us to review some of the noteworthy officiating decisions or non-decisions of the week that was. Not always a platform to criticize, but we will be critical when it is required. And one of the issues here, and Coach Dungey talked about it at the very top of Football Night in America on Sunday, the idea that there is gross inconsistency in pass interference. Sometimes it's called, sometimes it isn't. We still have this lingering mindset of late in the game, the flag gets tucked down deeper into the pocket and it doesn't come out, even though the contact would suggest that the rule has been violated, although sometimes they do throw the flag. You got 17 crews, you got all these different games, everything. It's like snowflakes. Everything's different. And I don't know that you can force consistency onto it. It's a shame because these are significant plays that give up tremendous amounts of field position or not. And we just kind of accept it. I don't know if there's a solution, Chris, but it is a problem. It may be that it's a problem without a solution. Well, yeah, it's not easy. I get that. But the, the inconsistencies are the things that are driving us crazy. You know, I mean, don't expect it to be perfect, but when you see... You know, when you see ticky-tack pass interference calls throughout the day, and then we see, you know, like like basically physical abuse towards the end of the game, and then it's not called, that's annoying. And then that's hard to coach off of, and it makes the game inconsistent and not trustworthy that way, and that's not good. And, of course, again, even to the, the gambling conversation, it doesn't look right either. So that's where it's, it's not a good look, and there has to be something more. I mean, I know we're going to dive into a few here, and there was a bunch more in the NFL on Sunday. It was really a theme, and that's why Coach Dungy hit on it on Sunday. It was more than just this bear game we're going to talk about. There was you know four or five different games where we went, wait, they called this pass interference just a quarter ago, and now they didn't call this one, which was way worse pass interference, and that, that can't fly, and that's not good for the sport, and that's what coaches hate more than anything. There were two in the same quarter in Chicago, Yeah, Dolphins-Bears. Here's one with 11.30 to go in the game. Eddie Jackson gets flagged for defensive pass interference. Let's have a look at what happened on this play. Second and 10, Tua with the throw, a deep ball, and... Like, get, the, and, like, get out of here. Get out of here. And... 
Like, first off, Eddie Jackson has a right to – he's going for the ball, too. If, if you wanted to argue there, I would go, that's probably p- offensive pass interference. That's what I would say. I, I really – you you jumped back into Eddie, Eddie Jackson's space. He's playing the ball. You cut him off and stopped him. And he's trying to get the ball, too. Well, okay, to ball I, too. I know, but he initiates the contact. All right, so but so why – So, but I'm just saying, there should be no call here. But I just look at it and go, if there's going to be a call to be made here, I would have called it on the offense. And either this way, it gets those called weird in any situations. Jackson. Now, now, look, this this isn't – I mean, it's I don't, I don't want to be perceived as bashing Tua. It's kind of a little underthrown. Yeah. And we know what happens with underthrown balls. The defensive back ends up inadvertently running into the receiver who's trying to catch the underthrown ball. But so was the defensive right. back. He has a right to the ball too. That's we've all lost this. Where it's like we're in this era of like, well, you're supposed to just get, get out of the way and let the receiver get it. It, it. Those aren't the rules. He has every right to be there. He's playing the ball. The ball's turned there. Waddle went into his line of running and then jumped into his way. As he was trying to play point. the ball. Now, I, I've seen it enough times now. I think you're right. The defensive back, Eddie Jackson, was choosing to play the ball by continuing to run under it. Exactly. Like he was going to make an over-the-shoulder catch as right. if he was the, if his, he was the right. intended receiver. Yeah. Instead of stopping and jumping up and trying to catch it. But I'm sure somebody's coached these receivers, especially with two a throng. I'm sorry, two and all. Well, yeah. Especially listen, with two a throng. Right. you got to be ready to stop and jump up because... Yeah, the ball may be a little underthrown, and if you stop, the defensive back's going to run into you. And you Waddle misjudged it. I mean, that's the other thing that's funny about it. He didn't need to do that. He misjudged the ball. Eddie Jackson was actually judging it correctly and going to run underneath it and catch it like this. Waddle stopped and came back and misjudged it and then initiated the contact with Eddie Jackson, and they call it on Eddie Jackson because of a bad throw. And that's where I – and I'm not trying to get on two or anybody, but we're rewarding the offense for being below average there. Hey, you okay. were below average. Here's 330 yards, though. I hate it. So that's the standard. Yeah. That's the game. Right. We're not going apples to oranges here. Bears and Dolphins then, same quarter, later in the quarter, Bears trying to force overtime or win the game in regulation. A minute 35 to play, third and 10. Justin Fields throws deep to Chase Claypool. Now, if he were 60, that would be elder abuse. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, first off, there's right arm grabbing him. There's left arm grabbing him. There's both arms grabbing him and not letting a guy who has a 40-inch vertical jump up from the ball. The guy, one of the guys that's the And there's official looking right at him. Look at him. I mean, he's He's right there. He's being tackled. He's standing there. He's got the best possible view. Look at him. You can't say, well, you know, I was blind. He's right there. Right there looking at it. I, I, I don't get it either. Now, you know, he sees the arm. I mean, both he of them. He sees the pull. Right. Unbelievable. I mean, and, and, and Chase Claypool, who's like, again, one of the freakiest people on the planet. All right. If you saw Chase Claypool, you'd go, oh, my gosh. Was he made in a lab? All right. He doesn't fall down backwards when he tries to stop and turn up and go and play a ball. Not one of the greatest athletes ever. I mean, he doesn't get to jump, and he doesn't even get to come back to the ball because he's being, not pass interference, being tackled. Being A bear is literally being bear-hugged on the field, 
and we don't call that. And that, to me, is what drives me crazy and will drive everybody else crazy. You know, listen, again, it's not even – I don't think we're, we're nearly – even though this is pass interference and this is blatant, I don't think this is as big a deal if you don't call the Eddie Jackson one. But the fact that you call the Eddie Jackson one, it set the standard, and now we're all looking at it, and we're going, what? What is the standard then? I don't really know anymore, and I watch football all week long every day. And that's, that's where it, it stinks as a, wa- a viewer, or a fan, and, and a coach, and a player. And the official standing there looking right at it. He, he might as well have done this incidents. before the, the Paul even went in the air. He wasn't going to call anything. He was like, there's a minute 30 left. It's, for, it's fourth quarter. I'm just going to do this the whole rest of the game. That's all I'm going to do. Normal incidents of the game, such as bad snaps, drop passes, turnovers, penalty flags, and play calling inevitably will fuel speculation, distrust, and accusations of point shaving and game fixing. That is not a quote from me. That is a quote from Commissioner Roger Goodell when the NFL was pushing aggressively against legalized sports wagering back in 2009 when Delaware was trying to do it. And that's why they have to get their act together, because that's the kind of thing, Chris. And I look, the fix isn't in. I don't believe it. No, I don't believe that that official who was watching that had money on the, the the outcome of the game and had a vested interest in not calling pass interference. I just think it's part of the psychology of in those moments you you keep the the flag deeper in the pocket, but you got to iron out that psychology because it's going to create the exact suspicion that I just referred to in the quote from Roger Goodell that people are going to think something fishy is going on. Same thing in New York, the Bills and the Jets. We saw this play earlier in the Hump Day homers calls, the Josh Allen throw. After injuring his owner collateral ligament in his elbow, uncorks the longest throw, according to next-gen stats, that anyone has made in six years. Yeah, I mean, that's that 70 yards. That's a howitzer yeah, shot. That's going to land on the 20-yard line if he doesn't, you know, touch the ball and, here. And the same thing, it's it's underthrown a little bit, even though it went 70 yards. But where Gabe Davis was, he had to stop, he had to slow down, and there's Sauce Gardner just pushing him into the ground. Well, I, you know what, though? I, see, to me, there's, there's a difference here. I, I mean, again, one, first off, Gabe Davis initiates contact right there with the arm bar. True. He's true. the first guy to do it. Secondly, what you see right here, uh, I mean, what's – I don't know. Is he, He's not really pushing him. I don't know. His hand's open on the backside. He does as the ball gets there, gets his hand out in there. I mean, to me, this is this is football. This is a this is great defense. I, I, I look at this as great defense. I don't know more – you know, I'd like to see his head turned – but there's no such thing as face guarding in the NFL. That's where another not thing. Not anymore. They're used to be. Right. They're right. used to used be. To be. So, so that's yeah. not a thing. Yeah. You know? So maybe you'd like the head turned around more. But this is a play that I would never like to see called. I, again, I'll agree with you. Yeah. I'll agree with you because of the because you know what? that, that the, the, the forearm. Yeah. The push. He started it. To push him back. Right. Yeah. And he keeps it there the whole time. Right. So he's trying to fight through it and get down there. So to me, I'm, I'm good with this right there. And then that, I hope that never gets called. That's that's these DBs are in a tough enough spot as it is. You start calling that. I don't know what, what else they can do there with, especially like you're saying, we're talking about Gabe Davis is giving them the arm bar. It demonstrates how difficult it is, how challenging it is, but we still have every right to expect the officials to get it right. And the problem is when they tried to introduce replay review three years ago, it was a complete and total failure because they botched it. The standard changed. The explanations made no sense. 
they just didn't know how to properly execute a good idea. It was a good idea, but it was incredibly poor execution. And that now makes them gun shy about having replay review for any of these other subjective calls like roughing the passer or a hit on a defenseless player to the head or neck area because they screwed up pass interference so badly yeah. they don't want to touch any of these other ones yeah. and it's a shame because i still continue to believe that a full embrace of technology is necessary to push back against the idea that the fix is in the goodell quote from 2009 you need to put measures in place so people will not be able to credibly claim that the outcome is rigged, that the officials are corrupt, that someone has money on the game, that there's a predetermined outcome that's being dictated by 345 Park Avenue. You don't want it. And again, I'm not saying it happens, but you need to come up with ways to push back against the people who will reasonably believe that it is happening. That's the challenge for the NFL. And I keep saying it, Chris, because I get no sense that any effort is being made or any thought is even being devoted to this thing that we keep banging the drum about. No, no, Mike, I'm, I'm with you there. And something does need to be done. It's just, this is the most inconsistent year I can remember. And, and I'm, I know we're all prisoners of the moment, but this is it's everywhere this year with everything. And I, I come back to two things. I'm, of course, in favor of Sky Judge, like you've talked about. The other two things I would love to see, again, I'm, I'm a, I wish ex-players would get involved a little bit more, right? I do. I don't think they would be quite hey. as, you know, enamored with the circumstances. They've been around football. They know what, hey, that's just normal football contact. Oh, no, that's pass interference. That or the refs become full-time people. And we start paying them yes. as legitimate big time NFL employees. And I don't know whether that's get all the all the 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 betting MGM and all them right. Get them to all put in twenty million dollars in the pot, all of them. Put them in. They the, already are. Well, they're already. I know. So put thing. it in for the they're referee pot. They're already paying pot. the NFL, right? But they're already paying the so NFL all way. that money. And instead of paying for better officiating, full-time officials, because, see, the problem is you got to pay them enough that they'll abandon their, their primary job. Right, right. This is their side hustle. Yeah. So, so and, and it's very tenuous because if you screw up enough, then it's gone. Right. So you have to pay them enough that they're willing to abandon a more secure and more lucrative profession in most cases for this, where if you do – Urinate down your leg enough times you're out of a job and you're more far more immediately accountable than in your other job. So you gotta you gotta you hey gotta hey, shell it out. You know what? You know what? Maybe that yacht should be three hundred feet instead of three hundred and twenty five feet. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the sacrifice <laughs> yeah. that needs to maybe be made. Maybe don't have that gold plated toilet in your bathroom, you know. Just go with, you know, just the normal silver one or something. But, yeah, Mike, I mean, full-time. That, to me, is the big thing that will help the refs more than anything. Off-season, hey, we're at OTAs. We've rotated all over the country. We've been to OTAs and training camps and everything, and we've gotten reps, and we've been in the classroom and meetings and a few times a week. That's going to make them be able to differentiate between some of this stuff. Again, it's reps. It's just like we see with players or coaches. A rule gets adjusted, and they work on it. It all off season and okay then here we are a year two la- down the road look nobody's using their head anymore look we've adjusted I, and that's because they get to practice it and get the reps the referees it, it's too much just thrown on them all at once and they're overwhelmed by it 
I've heard Mike Pereira say in the past, I don't know what we would do to keep them occupied for a full year. I could come up with a full year schedule in an hour. I've tried to do it before. <laughs> it's not that hard. One last point, and I know we have to break, but you said something that, that made my antenna go up. Mm-hmm. Getting former players to come in and officiate. My yeah. first thought was, well, you know what? Here's the thing. It's a long process. You have to put in the years. You have to put in the time. You have to work your way up before you can be an NFL game official. That apparently doesn't apply if you can come in and be a head coach. So <laughs> make, make him an official as well, Jeff Saturday. Get, some, get Dwight Freeney to be the head referee. Bring him in because experience is not necessary. Let's go ahead and take a break. Power rankings time. Finally, I was only two segments early on that. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, Power Rankings time presented by Google Pixel. And Christopher, I, I uh, thought about it. Uh, the fix is in. I, it's an inside job. <laughs> the fix is in. Hey, but you know what? I've been I've been taking so much crap from Vikings fans all year that I'm not showing them the appropriate respect. The Bills lost. They didn't look good. There's an injury issue with their quarterback. And the Vikings are 7-1. and one. The Chiefs did not look good. You know, and, and it's like I couldn't bump. I, I just I didn't know what to do with the Cowboys, so I left them at four. That's where they were. I left the Chiefs where they were. I didn't penalize them for not looking very good against the Titans, and I just decided to flip the Bills and the Vikings. Well, I, I you know, I mean, I, I know the way you 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 formulate your formula here, and and I I'm not shocked to see them there. I wouldn't put them there. I've been holding them down all year well, I just long, and I know what's coming. Well, I think I think I did this because I know what's coming: Bills, Cowboys, Patriots in the next 15 days. I, they could I, be seven and four so. by the time we go to bed on Thanksgiving. Right, it'll take care of itself. I get that, but I, I also want to challenge you and go. You know in your hearts that if Minnesota was playing Kansas City this weekend, who you'd pick to win that game. And you know I'd pick who the would, Chiefs. And yeah, and you know who you would pick if they played ten times, who would win seven of them. So that's where I want to challenge seven. your, your – Yeah, I'm going to say seven. At nine. least six, but nine. Okay. So what are you What are you doing? What are you – did you get in my stash and smoke my hashish? What the hell are you doing here making them number two? You're crazy. Maybe I did. You're crazy. Well, <laughs> because it's not just – it's not a predictive device. This isn't, oh, let's see – Let's two teams are playing this week. Who's ranked higher? Well, that's who Florio thinks is going to win. That's not what this is. This is an acknowledgement of what you've done. So I, I look at it this way. This is kind of the Vikings participation trophy. I guess that's the best way I can <laughs> explain funny. it. Because because it's all going to fall apart. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And if they would have lost that game, they were down 10 points. They should have lost. Commanders. And I give them a lot of credit for having the wherewithal. Freaking and Taylor Haneke throwing the interception down the middle. I would have beat you. It was a head-up matchup in our picks. I, I mean, damn it. But my point is this. Yeah. The reckoning is coming. It's coming on Sunday at Buffalo. I don't care if it's Josh Allen, such a good Case Keenum, or 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 Trent Edwards. Hey, you're number two, but it's all going to go downhill, and you're going to shit the bed, and you won't be number two for long. Welcome to PFT. But enjoy enjoy being number two. You get to be number two, and and that's that's the yeah, that's the reality. And if a hey, if you are number two. Then uh, they won't play like number two this week in Buffalo, and they'll beat the Bills. Yeah, but uh, I don't, I don't, I don't expect it. And I will pick the Bills to win that game. But the Bills lost. The Vikings won. They've won six in a row. This may be the high water mark of their year. 
It's the first time they've been 7-1 since 2009 with Brett Favre's first season in Minnesota, and uh, I don't think it's going to last, but we shall see. When we return, coaches who may not last. Now that two have been fired this season, who are the ones that need to worry about the axe falling on them? We'll do a draft of the coaches that need to be the most concerned over the balance of the season. When PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. You know, here's, here's another one I had, you know, this week, and it, it kind of just fell into it. I was talking about Christian McCaffrey being the decoy, the decoy, the decoy, and then I was like, then you got to worry about him being the... Simsisms. Main coy. He's going to use him as a decoy, or he's going to use him as the, the main coy, and he's going to come out of the backfield and catch the ball and be like, fine, you want to stop the deep pass? Yeah. The main coy, that's yeah. a new word. I was like, wait, decoy, and I couldn't think of what I wanted to say to make him the main guy, and I was like, oh, main coy, and uh, just naturally happened there. It's my big brain working for me again. Simsisms. That's a good one. I like that one. That's one like Leaderhouse that can become a regular part of the lexicon. And if you use it enough, they eventually put it in the dictionary. So we should try to you get main koi. Main koi. Main koi should be uh, something that we aspire at some point to have <laughs> yes. placed in the official lexicon of the English language. All right. Coaches under the most pressure in the second half of the season. We've seen two fired. Matt Rule earlier this year, earlier this week, Frank Reich. Chris, I'll give you the first pick. Who is the coach who should be most concerned about possibly being out at some point, either during or after this season? Well, I, I think the, the, the most obvious one to me is Lovey Smith. I mean, one, because of the results of the football team. Two, because it doesn't really feel like the team ever really wanted to hire him to begin with. And that was just odd last year with how all that kind of took place. So the Josh McCown conversation and all that stuff that went on, too. Uh, I, it just has always felt like it was a, a a place being held for somebody else on the radar or some other move to where we get the team where we want. Then we're going to you know, go into the head coach thing there. So I'll, I'll go with Lovey to start it here. Yeah, you know, the McCown thing, remember this. If Brian Flores hadn't filed his lawsuit, I think the Texans would have hired Josh McCown. I, oh, so I, they, would I, have, yeah. they would have been Jim Irsay before Jim Irsay. Right. They would have done the someone with no experience whatsoever coaching at the college or pro level. I, I Look, I think it's going to be difficult. We have to factor in the climate with the Flores lawsuit. It's going to yeah. be difficult yeah. to fire Lovey Smith. But Jack Easterby's out. The team isn't good, and I hadn't really thought of Sean Payton as a candidate for the Texans. But you know what? If Cal McNair decides I've had enough and I'll pay this guy $25 million, I mean, Houston is close enough to Dallas, and it's a competitive, not a competitive division, not as competitive as other divisions. And if he has the first overall pick and Cleveland's first-round pick, he could, he could they uh, got some get picks a quarterback that he feels pretty years. good about. Yeah, yeah. they got yeah. some picks there. So, yeah. I don't disagree with that, but I still think the guy who should be the most concerned is Nathaniel Hackett. He wasn't hired by current ownership of the Broncos. It has not gone well at all. And even though they barely beat the Jaguars to stave off an in-season firing, I still think Hackett can be gone. And if I had to guess right now, unless there's some improvement that I don't see coming, I think he will be gone after one year because I think I, I know that those Walmart people are ruthless and they are not going to shed a tear 
They're going to write the check and move on from Nathaniel Hackett if they don't think the team is moving in the right direction. So that's who I believe should be the most concerned by far. Well, they're three and five. Like, what do you think it'll take like there for him to kind of quiet that that conversation? Like, what, what what's the number you seven look and at? ten? Seven and ten. Seven you and think ten. They'll, they'll be he'll be okay? I think there's a legitimate. But even then, even then, the off they got to get something out of Russell Wilson that makes it look like Russell Wilson. I I know I know and not like a guy who never was Russell Wilson. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I hear you there, and that you know that that's where I, I want people to you know approach slowly a little bit more with that, and I understand some of the optics there, but damn, you know Russell Wilson's got to take some of this accountability too. I mean, you, we all watched the game in London. You know, the ESPN crew did a great job, many a time showing like I don't know what the hell this guy's looking at anymore. I don't know. All he does is look at the rush. And that's where, you know, I feel for Nathaniel Hackett a little bit. All right. All right. Next one, Cliff Kingsbury. I think I'm going to go there. I, it just, again, it just feels like the, the stars are aligning that way. And it feels like it's slowly crumbling there, let alone we know. I think we felt like even with the extension and all this, that if things didn't go well, that this was on the radar. You know, I don't know. The, the, you're better at, at, at being the field, the owners, and will they pay this guy money down the road, or are they comfortable with that to fire him? But uh, Cliff Kingsbury is the next guy I'll go with. He got that contract extension to 2027. We don't know how much he's guaranteed. We don't, we've never even saw how much he's making. I think he could be out after this year, and I have a feeling the buyout won't be what we would right. otherwise have believed yes. it would be. I'll go Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. And and yeah. look, I, I I think he's a very good coach, but you got Deshaun Watson coming back. You have a full off season to attract someone to come in and take over with Deshaun Watson. There have been some self inflicted wounds this year. I, I just think he's he's got to he's got to button it up for the rest of the season. Let's take a break. We'll do round three right after this on PFT Live. Coaches under the most pressure for the second half of the season. Final round. Chris, who do you have? Man. I think I'm going to go. It's a a hard one here. I I think I'm going to go with Dennis Allen, though. I think that's the guy I'm going to look at here. I know Dan Campbell, of course, is in this conversation, too. You know, but, but Detroit, we didn't expect, like, a whole lot from Detroit. You know, the Saints have still had some pieces here to where you go, hey, they can be real good and be a player. It hasn't been good. And then I think what makes it worse for Dennis Allen is like the defense, which was the strong point of the team, you know, is not. You know, statistically, they're not that bad. They're like 12th in football or 11th in football. But scoring defense, which is a big deal because, you know, you got to score more points than the other team to win the game, they let up, they're letting up more big plays than ever. And they're, what, I think 28th in football in that department. So Dennis Allen's the last guy I'll pick, Mike. I got others on the list here. Ron Rivera, I think, should at least be a little concerned just with the potential ownership change. Now, maybe that gets him one year minimum if a new owner comes in in March. Todd Bowles, I think, needs to be a little concerned. But I'm going to go Brandon Staley as my official pick. Wow. Because of Justin Herbert, and they've never really gotten enough out of Justin Herbert. And there's too many of these self-inflicted wounds, the obsession with analytics, the overly aggressive. And for all we know, he's doing what someone's telling him to do, but it sure comes off as his choice, as his way, as his strategy for being a football coach. And with, with Peyton floating around out there, I know that Dean Spanos may not want to pay Sean Peyton. 
Sometimes, sometimes you have to if you really want to make your team competitive, Chris. So you think if they're like, if they don't get in the playoffs in eight or nine, he could be in even trouble there. If that they kinda... think they could get Peyton, I think he could be in trouble. Yeah. We're in trouble because we're out of time. See ya. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.